This is the Five Point Play Podcast, the diehard Duke basketball fans podcast. But we are live from the DC metropolitan area. Go Nats, <laughs> World Series champions. Happy Halloween. Uh, fellas, I, I got to say, I, I'm pretty jacked up, uh, but this is basketball season now. It's officially basketball season. We wanted to wait for this podcast to wrap up the entire exhibition season. That includes mm-hmm. Countdown to Craziness. That includes the Northwest Missouri State game. That includes the Fort Valley State game. And then we're also going to talk about our expectations for the season. And then give a little preview for Kansas. That's the five points for, for this week. AC, I want to bring you in. You didn't make it to Countdown to Craziness. After all that stuff that you <sighs> did, week, you didn't actually make it there. Andrew was waiting for you at, uh, at, at the Duke Wave. <laughs> but, you know, hey, look, you didn't make it there. But uh, obviously it has your reasons. But let's let's talk about Countdown. And let's talk about what it actually meant for the, the recruits that were there and for the team overall. Yeah, no, I think I think it was a, a great event for the. It's always a great event for them to put on. Like Debbie Debbie Savarino does such a great job putting this event on. By the way, did you see they had a three point contest with the women's team? You know, the funny thing is, is that I texted you during that. I never got a response, and I go. I can't believe that they have a three-point women's contest after we just talked about having right. uh, a three-point contest. So I don't know if Debbie heard that. If she I think did, she's listening, man. I think she's one of I our think listeners, she is listening. Debbie. I, and yeah. I guarantee, <laughs> I guarantee you next year we have a men's three-point contest as well. Absolutely. I, honestly, I wouldn't mind watching the men versus the women. Yeah, contest. that'd be awesome, man. That'd be great. And if we're being completely honest. Uh, I think the women would beat the men this year, but we're oh, going to segue that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we'll talk about <laughs> we'll that. They're going to they would crush them. But yeah. The recruits that were there had to come away impressed. They had, as long as they were, you know, as long as they're having a good time on campus, they had to come away impressed with what they saw. I'm sure the fans were jumping beforehand out on, on, uh, in Kayville, out on the lawn. And I'm sure once they got in there, you know, the place sounded like it was, it was hopping. And, but to the same thing that we've been talking about with this team, everything on the court after all the intros and all the, the, the screens on the floor and everything, all that awesome stuff. They're just normal. This is a very normal <laughs> team, man. Versatile but normal. Like it just it, it was kind of like a business as usual type of thing. Um, but the experience had to be something because Paolo Banchero put out on social media, you know, Duke is just different. So it's a it's a you know, for for the older set that might be listening to, to our podcast, that means a good that's a good thing. He's you know, it's just that's that's kid slang for you know, it's just they do things in a in a different way. It's, it's you can't explain it. This we talked about it a little bit last time, the brand the brotherhood, everything else about Duke is just, it's amazing, man. And it had to be a great event for those guys that were there. Yeah. And, and actually Kyrie Irving, uh, after they played the New York Knicks uh, last week, uh, mm-hmm. was asked about, you know, playing RJ Barrett. What did he say to him after the game? And the first thing that came out of his mouth was the brotherhood. And yep. so it means something. And, and at CTC, that's really what it's all about. It's for the recruits. Uh, but it did give us a look at our team. And mm-hmm. my takeaway from the team was I thought that Vernon Carey had the best night of, of anyone on, on this year's roster. I thought that yep. he was versatile. He hit a three from the top of the key. You can't really take a whole lot from a 20 minute scrimmage. What, what did you take from the overall squad? Was any, did anybody impress you? Did anybody make you come away like, Oh boy, that didn't meet what I was looking for. <laughs> no, I mean, and we'll we'll talk about it once we get into some of these exhibition games because it it is difficult in in a scrimmage like this for guys to 
either a showcase what they can do or b give us something that we totally have never expected i I don't i really honestly don't remember watching a countdown or a blue white scrimmage and being like wow i never knew that guy could do that it's everything we expected out of these guys i mean there's certain guys who have a role on this team as a shooter you know alex you know what honestly i will say alex alex o'connell was a huge takeaway for me his his driving that was that's the one one of the few surprises i've ever seen out of out of a blue white was how often he took it to the hole and how willing he was to get to the middle. I mean, he looks noticeably stronger. He's, he's noticeably more active and he was taking the ball inside to either set up his own shot or set up shots for teammates so much more than last year. I want to say there was a stat last year where over, I want to say over 70% of his passes and dribbles happened outside of the three point arc and everything else. And and there was a small percentage that it happened. He happened to make, make, access to the lane on his dribble so to already see that happening for him and see that confidence growing that was huge man i love to see that so that was that was probably one of the biggest things i had seen that and, and jordan jordan goldwire I and mean, we'll talk a little bit more about him in a minute but he was he was awesome yeah and and i want to give a shout out to uh justin robinson so yeah ryan craig was a friend of the program by the way uh mm-hmm. calling the game and you know he talked about justin robinson and says this guy could get regular minutes this year. And I'm not, yeah. I wouldn't be shocked to see that myself. He can shoot it from deep. And while he's limited a little bit athletically, uh, he's grown so much, literally. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's now 6'9. He's a legit man down there. He's a guy that I wouldn't be surprised at all to see come in uh, in regular minutes during the season. But let's shift gears to our second topic. This is why we waited till the exhibition series was over. Because we could have easily, and we wanted to, let's be completely transparent, we wanted to come on immediately after the uh, Northwest Missouri State exhibition and kind of just get everything off our chest. But Palmer has prevailed. We decided not to do that and let's see everything. It was 69-63. Again, if we're being completely honest, look, Northwest Missouri State, they won the national championship in the D2 level two of the last three years. They were 38-0 last year. They brought a lot of guys back. Duke was up 19 with about five minutes to go, about five and a half minutes to go. They hit a bunch of contested threes. The score does not really reflect the actual game. Having said that, though, it's still alarming because when you look at the D2 National Championships versus Duke scrimmages that have happened over the last Mm -hmm. 10 years, Duke blows them away every single time, and this was not the case. Mm -hmm. So... AC, Palmer has not prevailed, but talk about <laughs> that exhibition game, your immediate feelings, and where do you stand now? Well, that last point you brought up, definitely, it, it's, it's, it's definitely a valid point, and, it, and it's something that you, you notice right away was the score, 63 or 69 to 63. That's the lowest point total they put up since they played Winston-Salem State. Uh, in in 2013-14, that's the Jabari team. They put up 69 against that squad. And that's the closest game that they had since they played Drury, the team right before the Jabari squad, the team that went to the Elite Eight against Louisville with with Quinn Cook and Mason. That one, they only they only won that game against Drury by 16 points. So they set a few records there that aren't necessarily good records to set when it comes to the exhibitions. But quite honestly, I mean, you see how vastly different those two seasons ended up. I don't. I don't think this is a an indictment on how the end of the season is going to happen. And honestly, I don't even know if this tells us how the beginning of the season is going to start. What it tells us is, based on practice and things like that, 
I don't know that Kay knows exactly what combinations he wants in the game yet. I don't know that the offensive sets that they run for certain for certain groups are working yet. And that's what he's trying to work out, I think, at some of these exhibitions is what's going to work against certain teams. Fort Valley or sorry, Northwest Missouri State played a little bit of a matchup zone. So that kind of changed, I'm sure, what they've been working on, because I'm sure they've been working on a lot of man sets, because that's what they're going to see early on, especially with Kansas and some of the other teams are going to play early. They're going to see more man than zone. So I'm sure that they've been working more of their man stuff and then they catch a team that plays zone. So, you know, it, it looked ugly. Certain things didn't look great. Vernon Carey did not look great. Um, that was that was a, a little bit alarming. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. But that was a little alarming to see him only get four points and see him not get the amount of time he had. But Chris Patola said something that I totally disagree with. And this is one of the one things I want to touch on with this with this uh, exhibition in general. He mentioned that the team is not versatile on defense because of how they had to play small ball and match up against Northwest Missouri State. And I couldn't disagree more. I actually honestly feel like the fact that they could do that speaks to the versatility of this team. And they happen to run into a team that just absolutely could not miss. They, they shot the three ball at a D1 level. Like, it's not like the shots they were getting a D1 team, you know, could have gotten better shots than they got. Like, they got decent shots, th- decent three-point shots that they were hunting. They just happened to be contested by Duke, which Duke is going to contest shots all year long because of the defense. So they hit shots like crazy. And, like, I mean, at one point, they were up, Duke was up 19. So, yeah, eh, I, was a, I was mad at first. And then as I'm sitting back watching and watching things happen a little bit more, I'm like, okay, it's, it's not as bad as it looks because of the shots they were hitting. It's just one of those things that you really want this team – offensively to be able to take away from teams and right now they can't they can't just take off and run away from teams on the offensive end yeah coach k talked about the fact that he really wants to run with his team um mm-hmm. i get it i get it with the the players that we have the athletes that we have we're not short of athletes uh now i talked about the fact that Vernon carey was the guy that i came impressed with after countdown and craziness mm-hmm. it could not have been more opposite against yeah. uh west Missouri state yep. now having said that you know, I've seen a lot of people on uh, the Duke message boards talk about, you know, Vernon Carey is not what we expected, all these other things. That's a tough matchup for the bit, though. It's a tough matchup right. because, you know, they don't have a guy over 6'6". Six, six. They're all lean, quick, athletic guys. To be fair, though, you know, you don't expect them to play like that. So I do want to kind of talk about the returning guys, though. You know, I, I take these mm-hmm. games. You know, at face value, you, you can't really take a whole lot other than you try to get through. Uh, you're facing a new competition. You're trying to, you know, work out the tanks, as you said. The returning guys, outside of Jordan Goldwire, who I came away with impressed by, and mm-hmm. I even texted you after that game, I go, I would start Jordan Goldwire against uh, Fort Valley State and maybe against Kansas. I think he will start against Kansas. The returning guys, I didn't come away with impressed at all. I thought that Trey looked the exact same. He uh, his three point shot looked flat. I, I did like his aggressiveness. Mm-hmm. Uh, his his defense is still legit. Believe me, like when I say that he looks the same, that doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to be a poor player. He's a phenomenal player, fantastic defensive player, but he didn't take that jump that I was looking for in that exhibition game. Jab and Delore, I mean, he he looked. Stagnant. He he looked lost. Uh, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole, Jabin. But <laughs> he looked atrocious. Mm-hmm. And I I thought Jack White looked like his normal self. 
aggressive. He does a lot of the little things. But that's what you take from him. He started this game. Alex O'Connell, I did like his driving ability outside of that, though. I, I just can't take from the fraternity guys. I couldn't take a whole lot from them. Yeah, I, th- I think that's I think that's fair. I think I'll say the one thing about Trey. I think on the surface, I, th- I think you're right. I think on the surface, he looks like the same player. He's 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 destined to be the guy that we saw freshman year. He's I don't think he's going to have that just blatant transformation that we see from other guys. He's always going to be a, a mid to low level shooter. And he's always going to be a great distributor and defender. And the one place maybe he can make some hay is attacking the basket, which, in my opinion, I thought looked better this year. He he looks physically more able to take the contact, absorb the contact, take better shots. It's October, so some of the layups he was putting up are going to fall by end of November, December, all the way through tournament season. So I I think on that end, Coach K even spoke to it before the season that he's a better finisher. He's a better yeah. layup maker now, and I, I totally agree with that. I think, and I think it's because of the physical transformation. He's healthy, he's he's stronger, he looks stronger, and he looks more confident and at ease than he did last year, even towards the end of the year after that shoulder injury. So I, I think I think that part of his game was better, and, and that's really what we're going to need out of him more so than the shooting. I think the shooting would it would be nice if we could get it from him, but if he's if that's not going to be him and that's not going to be his game, then at the very least he has to be able to get to the cup. And I think he's going to be able to do that this year. Yeah, and so let's switch gears to Fort Valley State. That was the game mm-hmm. that was played the night of the World Series, uh, but we tuned yeah. in anyway. Uh, 126 to 57, that's more like it. <laughs> so after we watched that exhibition game, and mm-hmm. uh, hey, shout out to William Avery, who was in the booth. Uh, yeah, he was. Name he was. Ryan Craig. Yeah, it was nice to see him. And obviously he's back on campus finishing up his degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the brotherhood right there. But let's talk exactly. about this this exhibition and i think we gotta start right at the top joey baker <laughs> my friends joey baker <laughs> six of eight from deep five of six in the first half uh, you know i had a lot of things i wanted to come into this class. this is why we waited and you see this is, this why, is why we, we waited wait, this is why we waited because i had a lot of things i wanted to say but now ac talk about joey baker what do we do with him <laughs> do we do we want to talk about what we we're texting with the, with the guards, uh, can we, can we be gonna that transparent? That, we're, we're gonna, yeah, we're going to get that in, in, in expectations okay, okay. in our next table. Okay. But let's talk All about right. this performance because, hey, it was awesome. Joey Baker, was my awesome. friends, let's go. <laughs> he was awesome, man. He he hit open threes. He hit shots where he needed to hit shots. That's that's what you expect from the guy who's probably number 10 or 11 in your lineup this year. <laughs> so, you know, if he can do that. Awesome. Like, excellent. That's exactly what we need from a team that's going, they are going to go deep. They are going to play more than seven guys. Let's get that out of the way right now. Kay tried over 20 different lineup combinations this game, which is insane. Uh, There was one lineup combination I absolutely never want to see again, which was Trey was by himself on the floor with uh, Joey, uh, Alex, Javin, and I believe, uh, who's who, who am I missing that was on the floor with him? I think it was Vernon. Uh, those those four guys with Trey on the floor on defense was hor- horrendous. So <laughs> I think uh, I think Fort Valley State probably got 15 points out of that lineup that they shouldn't have gotten from anyone else, which they wouldn't have gotten from any other combination of the lineup. So I think that one that one might be scrapped unless we need some threes at the end of a game. But you know, other other than that, all the other lineup, honestly, all the other lineup combinations they put on the floor looked okay. Jordan Goldwire and Trey still looks like seriously the best backcourt duo we have at the moment 
which is, yeah, I don't like it. But, hey, man, if they're going to perform like they did on defense like that, then please, let's do it. And Cassius and or Wendell can fill in at that three spot and you get the same production out of either one of them. It it was it was awesome to see. Matt Hurt is still showcasing. He ran the floor more, which is awesome. But he's still yeah. showcasing. He can score at every single level on the basketball court, which is it's that's awesome. He's he is so much better than I thought he was going to be, and it's it's not even close. Like the dude is definitely the best pro pro prospect on the team, probably the best player on the team, and he, we're gonna go as far as he can take us on the offensive end this season. We're get, we're getting the expectations again mm-hmm. in the next segment, mm-hmm. but I do want to I want to flip back to Jordan Govier. He had five steals in this game. He had four in the first half against Northwest Missouri State. I do mm-hmm. agree. You know, we we said it earlier. I thought that after that first exhibition that he would start in this one. He he did. Yep. Uh, while he doesn't bring you anything offensively, he did hit an open shot. He is such a menace on defense that yeah. that's a guy that I think can really frustrate other players and it can give us energy. You talked about it in the last the last podcast where you know Zion what Zion was great at among a million things was his ability to energize his team. And I think right. that Goldwire can do that on the defensive end. He can mm-hmm. really get in the face, he can he can provide a rest for Trey. He can really give an opportunity to you know, make decisive things happen on the defense, defensive end to, to to just throw some emotion into our squad, which I think this team's going to need this year. So I was yeah. I was really impressed over the exhibition period with what Jordan Goldwire did. And and I never thought I'd come into this podcast <laughs> talking about Jordan Goldwire, but yeah. I, I'm extremely I'm extremely impressed. And you know, but I can't talk I can't talk enough about Joey Baker, what he was able to do Coming off the bench, he didn't play very much in the first exhibition. I came away thinking, okay, they're gonna, you know, he's gonna transfer by December. Then he comes mm-hmm. in and hits five of six threes, mm-hmm. six of eight overall, what, twenty-two points, right? I mean, yep. the guy was on fire. And yep. now I'm thinking to myself, okay, he gives us that versatility that we've been talking about. So, you know, to wrap this one up, it was a good win. It was a much needed win, more so. <laughs> than this team needed, I think, for our fans. Yeah. So let's go into the fourth topic, which is expectations for the season. In my opinion, nothing's changed. It is, this is going to be a different Duke team than we've had in the last four or five years. It's one that yep. you're going to have to sit down as a fan and say, we need to manage expectations. We need to be pragmatic. We need to calm ourselves. Uh, and realize that we're going to have bumps in the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to have inconsistencies. Coach K is still trying to figure out what lineup works. I fully expect the lineup that started the last exhibition game against Fort Valley State to be the starting lineup against Kansas. What do you think, AC? Yeah, I don't think you're wrong. I think if if anything changes, maybe you see Wendell Moore at the three spot instead of Cassius just to match up with some of Kansas's stronger guards that they have, but that that might be the only change I think you would see in that starting lineup. But I, I think you're right. I think Gordon, Jordan Goldwire absolutely starts. I don't see how he doesn't at this point. I think that's the lineup we see start. I think you're right. I don't think you're wrong about that one. And honestly, I think it's a good lineup. I, it's not a lineup you'll see for most of the game, but it's definitely a lineup they'll start two halves with to try to get out on the board 
especially defensively, because right now offense is going to be an adventure for this team. We talked <laughs> yeah. a bit about some of the guys that we have, man. It's like right now the go-to score is Matt. Second is probably Vernon. And then third is Trey. And Wendell and Cassius get shots occasionally. Wendell has a few – he has run plays run for him already in the exhibition season. Cassius has had one or two plays run for him in the exhibition season. Usually by now you see the wings at Duke have more plays run for them, which that's, you know, that's a little bit – not disheartening, but it's – it's you want to you want to see that progress a little faster. So maybe as, as the season rolls on early on, this non-conference season, we'll see that more. But, like, you have, still have to be – there's some promising things happening. Like Al, Alex O'Connell to me is very promising and – he is absolutely a main wild card for this team. Like if he if he plays with the confidence that he's been wanting to play with for two years now and is starting to really play with that confidence, but also be able to put talent behind that that confidence, which he couldn't necessarily do the first two years, it, good things are going to happen because it's going to open the floor up for the guys that really can't shoot yet, like Wendell, Cassius, the jury's still out, whether he can, he can get his shots up and, and make good shots. But Wendell right now, his shot looks – it looks like an adventure. Like Matt heard, he has a decent jumper. Like Joey and Alex are our three point shooters right now. And you talked about Joey having a niche with this team. That's the expectation between Joey and Alex are really going to be. And we've talked about it. And even Justin Robbins, into a degree, we need guys that can hit the standstill three. So I think those, those three guys are, are going to be the ones that we're going to rely on to hit the standstill three. It really becomes what lineup can they fit into where we're not totally lacking on defense or we're totally giving something up. So it, it's it's going to be interesting to see how Kay tinkers with this team. I think his, the indictment with him the past few seasons has been, uh, he's just been sitting on his hands and he doesn't coach. It's, it's a BS statement, number one, because the guys that he's had to coach are already there. They're already ready. The lineups are already ready by August. The, the lineups were ready when the recruiting class, we knew who was coming in off the recruiting class, this season was a little different. So we're really going to see that vintage old school K where he is really involved with this team and really involved with, with the chess pieces that this team offers. Like there's every chess piece is on the board with the squad. Whereas last year you only had a, a queen and Zion and, and, and RJ was another queen. You had two Queens on the board and then that was about it. You can't win a chess match that way. So, you know, we, we have things on this team. Now we have those other parts that make certain players and make, they, they, their talent, each player's talent is made better by the guy beside him's talent. We haven't been able to say that all the time the past few years at Duke. And that, to me, is the most promising thing about the squad. I think that – so Duke comes in as the number four team in the country. There is no mm-hmm. way – and I, I can't speak for you, but I'm, I'm guessing – there is no way that this team is the number four team in the country, at least not yet. I know that for I, – I would love – Not today, no. Yeah, absolutely not. I, I would love for them to be there at the end of the season. I have my reservations on that. But overall, you know, we took that Kay has no clue yet what lineup is going to best give him the opportunity to win late in the year, which is okay because it's so early mm-hmm. that we have no we, we have no idea, you know, what what lineup is going to be there at the end. Uh I think that we talked about it in our last podcast when we tried to project our starting lineups. That is going out the window. That's going out the window. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought it yeah. would be Trey and <laughs> and the four freshmen. I thought it'd be Cassius, uh-huh. Wendell, uh, <laughs> Matt, and and Vernon. But right now, mm-hmm. I, I really do like starting the year off with Jordan Goldwire next to Trey. I never thought I never thought that I would come in saying that. 
but I love what they yep. do defensively. I think that Jordan's presence on the floor inspires Trey, if that makes any sense. I think he energizes Trey. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he longs to see another point guard out there menacing the opposing point guard just like he does. And I think well, that not that only really, that, he doesn't feel like he's alone. You know I mean? He doesn't feel by himself up there. Absolutely. And, and I think that this team, and Coach K even talked about it after the Northwest Missouri State game, that defense has to be the calling card the entire season, especially early, that they have to get up into guys. Mm-hmm. They have to pause. They have to really <laughs> get to a point where steals become that premium, that defensive rebounding has to be huge. Where do you see this team on the rebounding end? Because last year, especially, offensive rebounds were such a huge part of that team's success. Where do you see the rebounding opportunities for this particular team? You know, is Vernon that guy? Is, is Matt Hurt that guy? I like where Wendell Moore and Cassius get into the lane and get rebounds. Mm-hmm. We know Trey can do it. Where where does this team rank up in terms of rebounding, especially on the th- defensive end? Defensively, I think we'll get plenty of rebounds because we're going to force we're going to force a lot of tough shots, which gets guys off ball because there's not going to be a lot of need for help defense. When you have a lot of need for help defense, you get out of position rebounding wise. When you can have when you can rely on a guy like Trey or rely on a guy like Goldwire or rely on a guy like Wendell Moore or even Cassius Stanley to guard their man one on one on the perimeter then that opens up, it frees up the big guys to be able to rebound, and it frees up the other guards to help on long rebounds on jump shots, which Duke is going to force a lot of jump shots this season. So our guards are really going to be need, are need to, going to be, need to be really good at rebounding, which they are. Trey is a phenomenal rebounder for a point guard. So I, I think we're going to corral our fair share of defensive rebounds. I, think, I don't think we're going to lead the ACC in rebounding or anything like we have a couple of times now in, in recent memory, but I, th- I think we'll be – middle of the pack we certainly won't be at the bottom of the league like we, like we were in the early and mid 2000s but on the offensive end it depends on what type of shots this team gets if this team can get some interior shots you, you won't see as many offensive rebounds because theoretically we should be a little bit more efficient than we have been in the past few seasons but if this is a jump shooting team then we don't have a lot of guys like zion and rj who can just rebound all over the floor so I don't, I don't know that we're going to corral a bunch of, you know, long offensive rebounds unless somebody's just in the right spot. Wendell's going to hunt them and Cassius is going to hunt them. But, you know, I, I think the re- offensive rebounding numbers might go down a little bit. Maybe the offensive rebounding rate stays about the same if if we can get some of those guys active. And then we do have a, quite a few active guys on the boards like that. So that might help some. But guys like Vernon and Matt aren't going to be – they're not going to be rebound hogs down low. Jack White is probably going to be our leading offensive rebounder this year. So, you know, and who knows how much time he's going to earn. I think he's going to earn a little bit, but who knows how much he actually does earn. So, you know, it's the rebounding part is going to be it's going to be interesting. I just, I want to see us as a more efficient offensive team so that offensive rebounding is taken out of the equation a little bit. And I think the defensive rebounding for this team will shine through a little bit coupled with the turnovers this team is going to cause. Yeah, I think that the Jack White point is interesting. I, I think he's the exact same player as he was last year. It was nice to see him hit a couple of threes against uh, Fort Valley State, but really, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to be those corner threes that are wide open. He has to knock those down. Mm-hmm. I, I want to wrap up the segment with two things. One, let's give our predictions for the, the season record and ACC record. But mm-hmm. secondly, before we get to that, what do you see with Joey Baker? Again, 
being completely transparent with our audience, I came away with after the Northwest Missouri State game saying, you know, I, I, I would see Joey Baker transferring in around the Christmas time in December. Uh, what mm-hmm. do you think? I mean, let's be honest. What do you think happens with Joey Baker? Man. God, this it's a tough one, man. This is that really it truly is a tough one because I've seen I've seen this before. We've seen it happen before. We've seen the comments from Kay now about Joey Baker. If he doesn't dribble, he's great in practice. Like if he just shoots the ball, he's great. That's awesome. But to have a guy like that on offense, it doesn't really work with what you're trying to do unless unless they are running five out sets. So I don't know, man. I don't know if Joey's gonna get some of the opportunities we want him to get. Like are there, is he going to be placed in the game in certain segments of the game where we do need shooting? Like, I really hope so. And then the, then the question comes, if he doesn't hit shots right away, is he going to be taken out of, out of the equation? Like, right. it, or is, is he going to be able to stick it out? Because, you know, these decisions about transferring, especially when they happen midseason, they're not just made by the player alone. The oh, coaches absolutely. talk to them. Like, you know what I mean? The, like, the coaches talk to them. They say, you know what, maybe if, for all parties involved, it's better if if we move if we all move on like you can you can save half a year of eligibility everything else like it, it works it works that ends up working out for everybody involved so like if we'll we'll know like we will absolutely know and maybe joey wants to stick around at duke maybe he just loves being in north carolina that's where he's from maybe he loves being there so maybe he wants to stick it out and stay for all four or whatever but you know we'll we'll know within a few games whether or not he's going to be a part of at least early on a part of what K expects from this team I just I don't know man but because because he can't pass or dribble and it's not a place that K sees him yet I don't think by December he's going to be ready I think maybe by by February he could be a part of what they do much like Grayson Allen did in that title season but I don't know by February if he's going to be ready if that's if that's the mindset of your coach that hey if you don't dribble you're fine like it's we don't run that type of offense to set him up for plays. So I don't know, man. I don't. I don't know what's. I don't know what's going to happen with that. We've seen it. It was encouraging to see him hit those shots because we do need shooting. But if if that's if that's how it goes, like you saw it, he hit in the second half. He hit a he hit a a long two where he had it. He paused. He was going to dribble, but he didn't. He stopped. He did a little jab step. Figured himself out and was like, okay, I'll just shoot. And then he shot and made the shot. Like. That's that's a total lack of confidence, and that's also coaches telling in his ear. And I think I think the shots he got in the first half, where the coach is saying, "Joey, we're gonna give you this segment. Go in here and shoot, and show us what you can do shooting the ball." And so, and and he did, he did it. So I think that alone will earn him some time early in the first couple games. But if he's not hitting, yeah. I, I don't know that he doesn't. I don't, I don't know that he sticks around if he's not hitting his shots. Yeah, you know, it's, it's similar to Alex O'Connell in a way that, you know, Alex only played when he was hitting shots. Mm-hmm, uh, yeah. Outside of the Sweet 16 game, you know, where he had to play and he had to start. You know, Alex, you said it earlier, Alex did a great job of driving the basketball. He didn't shoot yeah. as well as we know he can, but he did, he did a great job of transforming his game, and he's a, he's a phenomenal athlete. Mm-hmm. Joey Baker, though, right now is... Andre Dawkins' sophomore year, it is you yeah. shoot and that's it. Mm-hmm. What are you on defense? I don't take a whole lot. Right. So, I, yeah, we're going to find out really, really quickly because I think that he will get into the game against Kansas. And if he's making shots, he'll stick around. If not, he's out. Right. And and for that reason, you know, now that we've taken a step back from the Fort Valley State performance, 
I would I hate seeing guys transfer. I just I don't see a place for it. Uh, for him on this team, it, it pains me. You can hear it. It pains me uh-huh. to say that. Uh, I just, I just don't. I don't see it. I feel like I'm breaking up with somebody right now. <laughs> it sounds like it, man. It's a... <laughs> do, you, do you need me to meet? I just don't see a future here. here right? Yeah. No, man. No, I'm, I'm. I'm with you though. Like, here's the thing. I don't. I don't not see a place for him. I see a place for him if he can hit shots. Like that's that is the the qualifier for this entire thing is if he can hit shots efficiently. So that means he's only going to get two or three looks at shots. So if he can hit one or two of those out of the three, he's going to have to be like a baseball hitter, man. He's going to have to be 30%. Like if he can be 30% out of the three shots he's going to get. Then I think there's a place for him because we're going to need those to stretch the floor. If he's not going to be a threat at all in that regard, then there's not, there's no spot for him. There isn't because he doesn't play defense as well as Justin Robinson or rebound. He doesn't he doesn't drive the ball like Alex O'Connell. And those are the guys that he's gonna be competing with for that role yeah. of we need a shooter. And Alex is gonna get more he's gonna get plays to run for him because yeah. of what he can do off the bounce. Justin is gonna be a spot up shooter, but he can at least play defense. So Joey, what are you gonna do, man? Like I, I want him I, I'm like I want him to be here, man. I like him. I love I love what he can bring as a six six seven, almost six eight shooter. But you gotta be able to hit him efficiently. And he's not a pro, so it's gonna be tough to expect that from him. Yep, and so we'll stick together uh, through December, and, and we'll see what happens. Okay, so <laughs> expectations for the year. Don't uh, buy him a Christmas present. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. Come on. All right, so expectations for the year. We have uh, 20 games in the ACC for the first time this mm-hmm. season. I see this team losing a lot of games. We have a couple early uh, games that are a little easier against BC and your Virginia Tech Hokies. Mm-hmm. I, I think we should win those. Uh, yep. But I, I do see this team going, and my prediction for the ACC is going to be 13-7. and seven. Is that too harsh? I don't think so. I think 13-7, I think, and seven, I, I think anywhere between 13-7 and seven, or seven losses and, and five losses you can expect. The ACC is down this year. It just is. Like, it really is. There's, there's not a lot of greatness in the ACC outside of Durham and Chapel Hill and Louisville. And Syracuse, they're going to be tough as usual because of that zone that they play, and they're they're really efficient from three this year. So Syracuse is going to be another team that's up there. Leonard Hamilton always has FSU as a tough team, so there's Duke is going to lose some road games. So I, I don't think seventeen is, or seven losses is wrong, man. I really don't. I I was going to say fourteen and six, so I'm right okay. there in that mix with you. But yeah, I mean we're we're going to lose we're going to lose some road games. I don't know that this team is going to lose some of those road games. You don't think. They like, like, I don't think Wake Forest is going to beat Duke, you know what I mean? Like, but it's you know, there's like, there's going to be some tough games on the road for the squad, and how they handle it, it's it's you know, it's it's going to be up to them. Like, they're they're just going to have to show us what it is that they can do in this regard, yeah, man. It's gonna... Yeah, and I think that this team's going to lose some games that they're just going to scratch your head and say, How did that mm-hmm. happen? Uh, overall, on the season, I'm going to go with 27 and 10. What do you got? Ooh. See, I think I think we get a little deeper in the tournament than that. So, oh, okay. Hey, I hope yeah, you're right. I hope you're right. I, I'm, I think, I'm a little uh, bit more pessimistic. If I stick with fourteen and six in the in the ACC season, then I I really only see us losing two others out of conference. I I, I see us losing. I see us losing Kansas. We'll get to it. And I see us. I don't see us winning the national championship. So that's another loss in the tournament. So that's eight. 
you could say the ACC tournament's going to be tough, but I don't know. We'll we go, see. we go, we go at Michigan State, by the way. We do go at Michigan State, so <laughs> we do. I think we're going to win that game. Oh, well, Jesus. I really do, man. Oh, Jesus. I think we're going to win that game. There's a lot of there's there's some stuff there. I think we're going to win that game. So, oh, Jesus. Oh, uh, man, it's going to be tough. Let me go. Yikes. Let me go. I'm going to go 29 and 9. Uh, okay, so we're, we're kind of in the same ballpark. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's, let's switch to Kansas. And let's be honest here. We will be at that game. I know yes, we should be at CTC. We will actually tickets be there. Tickets have our been train bought. Tickets, our train, train tickets, tickets are already bought. Hotel reservations have been hotel made. Hotel reservations there. You're going to pay for a state dinner. Correct. Finally paying off your bet. Finally paying off okay, your bet. <laughs> let's talk about Kansas, though. Let's talk about Kansas. Mm-hmm. Kansas is a, a, it's going to be one of the top three teams the entire season. Isaac oh, Bouquet yeah. is going to be a force. He's been there for 37 years. What is this team going to show us against Kansas? I'm going to get right to it. I think we lose this game. To be okay. fair, I thought we would lose to Kentucky at the beginning of the season. I couldn't have been more wrong. So what do you see in this game? Break down the, the matchups that we have, and do you see mm-hmm. Duke competing to the very end? If Duke is going to win, it's going to be because we put pressure in their guards and make them go small. They can go huge. They can go with Silvio D'Souza, Azubuke, and uh, Agbajai right off the bat, man. And those guys are amazing. Like, Agbaji is going to be one of the great – he's going to – I'm going to say – I'm going to butcher his name, by the way. Let's just call him the – let's call him the, the, the big OA, all right, because I am going to destroy his name. But he was that guy last year that he was a red shirt because of some injuries he ended up having to play, and he ended up being awesome for them. So just another year under his belt, he's going to be one of their main guys, main scorers, because, you know, now they don't, they don't have those guys anymore. They can go very deep. In, in the interior, because D'Souza can take over for, for Azabuke. You can bring in David McCormick. Like, Mitch Lightfoot is going to be there as a, as a big shooter. Like, they have, they have their guys in place, and they know who they are, and I think that's the difference between them and Duke. So I think that's why you see Kansas pull away in this one. I do not expect this to be a blowout. I think Duke is actually going to lead this game for, for 25 to 30 good minutes, and then I think – Kansas's stamina and and veteran leadership is going to just end up taking over for them because their veterans outside of Trey are better than ours. But the one place Duke could win this game and and really, I mean, honestly, really win this game is by forcing them to get those big guys off the floor. If they can make them play small and, and make them have to adjust to our versatile guys, I think Duke does stand a good shot at that one because that's where this, that's where this Kansas team is going to struggle. They're not going to see it a lot on their schedule this year. But this is the one team they're going to see until they get to the tournament that really can put some pressure on their bigs and, and force some turnovers on that side and also force their big guys to have to guard some smaller, quicker players on offense. That's where I think we're going to have to take advantage of the squad, pressing them. And like that's why Jordan Goldwire, I think, is going to get the start because early on we're going to really test those guards. because as, as it stands, their guards are not good scorers. Jalen Wilson, Marcus Garrett, and Devin Dodson are not good shooters, good scorers yet. They're going to be setting things up for the big guys. And I, th- I think Trey and those guys are going to really put some pressure on them to start this whole thing off. You know, Madison Square Garden is not an easy place to shoot. Nope. And <laughs> we struggle at shooting the, ball, and shooting the basketball. So, mm-hmm. in my opinion, I think we struggle the entire game. I think it's going to be 82 to 68. I do think it's going to be relatively a blowout, not in our favor. Mm-hmm. I don't see any scenario. I, I do agree, though. I think Goldwire is going to start. 
I, I don't see any scenario where we can win this game. I really don't. I know I, I don't want to be that pessimistic, but I don't see a, a way that we can score the way that we need to to keep up with a team as versatile and as better and laden as Kansas. Should we put a drink bet on this? Because now I want to pivot let's and say it. that we're going to win. Just Go because ahead, of that. Let's, let's do it. And, and, <laughs> just, and unlike, just because unlike you said you, that. Unlike you, I'll actually pay my bet. Okay, so, okay. Yeah, so I got I got Kansas 82 to 68. What do you got, AC? Let's, let's finish it up. I'm going Duke 87, Kansas 82. Oh, Jesus. All right, so there we have yep. it. We have, I, and not only will I buy you one drink, I'll buy you five drinks if that happens. So <laughs> yeah, five there we have five it. points. There you go. <laughs> the five points, I love it. Um, so AC's got Kansas. Yep. All right, uh, Duke, I got Kansas. Uh, I hope that I'm wrong. I hope that I pay for drinks all season long. <laughs> Either way, though, hey, regular season's here. This is the Five Point Play Podcast. Let's go, Duke. Go, Duke. Thank you for tuning in. This has been the Five Point Play Podcast.